joining us now. He is the newly elected 66th USGA president. Stu Francis joins us. Stu, welcome into the golf shop. Thank you very much. Nice to speak with you today. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this was uh, something that uh, obviously was on the horizon with you being uh, a part of the USGA for a few years now. Um, how does this, uh, how does it all come, come about? Uh, is there a, an election process? Is there a nomination process? How, how do you end up being the 66th president of the USGA? Well, I'd say a couple things. First, uh, to have the opportunity to join the executive committee comes about in a variety of ways, particularly if you've been in and around golf over the years. In my case, I was a competitive amateur and continue to be a com competitive amateur player on a national basis. I became acquainted with the USGA you know, over 50 years ago, just revering their national championship. So anyway, I was recommended to join the executive committee. Then once on the executive committee, you perform a series of both board member roles as well as committee roles. And I was fortunate to have the opportunity to chair the championship committee of the USGA for four years, which gave me a very up-close and in-depth look at one of our key aspects, which is conducting uh, national and global championships. And, you know, I think I showed a level of judgment and aptitude and then ultimately was selected by a nominating committee of the board to become the, uh, you know, the next president of the executive committee in the USGA. Yeah, kind of like me, uh, you know, I, I, I do uh, this radio show is kind of a second job. My other job is working for uh, Wells Fargo on the financial side of things. Uh, you, you're kind of along the same lines. I mean, your, your background is more in the financial world. Well, that's true. I've had a 40-plus year career as an investment banker working for several major investment banking firms. I run the technology merger advisory business for Evercore. So we work with many of the major companies. We advise Qualcomm on a variety of things for them, Dell uh, Technologies, uh, you know, just a whole host of the major companies. And the I think the business background and the deal background, which I do have, is helpful because the USGA is a $225 million a year nonprofit. So we need to generate real revenues to help really fund the contributions and the leadership we provide to the game. And I think the skill set of both a competitive amateur career, a senior business perspective, and a, you know, deal contract structuring perspective, which I've gained over my career, is helpful on all fronts. So uh, that's at least what I'm trying to bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, uh, people would say, oh, you know, it's, it's running, uh, you know, golf programs. Well, it's, it's a whole lot more than that. The USGA is obviously, as you just said, a very large business. Um, so as you, as you take over in this role, what are some of the key things that are on the top of your list to get accomplished over the next, uh, I guess, over your term? Well, there are three or four-fold things that are front and center for me. First is conduct great championships throughout 2020 and continue to do so every year thereafter. Uh, conducting a championship season is a little bit like a round of golf. If you play 17 holes well and you make a mess of the 18th hole or the 10th hole, uh, it impacts you. So we want to be infallible in our championships. We had a great championship season last year, 2019. 
U.S. Open at Pebble Beach was a great success. The U.S. Amateur at Pinehurst was a great success. The Women's Open was a great success. So first and foremost, let's conduct great championships. Secondly, uh, continue to focus on advancing and growing and solidifying the game of golf, and that includes working on a host of our programs that grow the game. The LPGA USGA Girls Golf Program, Drive, Chip, and Putt. We've been one of the largest supporters of the First Tee Program. We have implemented uh, the World Handicapping System, and that's been done to really create a unified way for all golfers in the world to compare themselves and compete. We have several internship programs and World Amateur Golf Rankings, so a whole host of things that really help grow the game. Then thirdly, uh, we just announced, along with the RNA, the Distance Insight Study, which uh, reviewed really the impact on increasing distance over the past century, how it's occurred, how much has happened, and our conclusion was that continued increases in distance uh, could be problematic for the game of golf. We have not yet begun any solutions exploration. This is just a statement of our view that the growth in distance has required golf courses to become longer. It's required the average footprint of a new golf course built after the 1980s and 90s to be about 225 acres versus 150 acres beforehand. You know, we have challenges around sustainability of water and use of, uh, you know, various minerals and pesticides. So the goal is to address the issue and have the USGA really lead the way for the industry to come together with something that it can be comfortable with. And that's a key category. And then lastly, I'd say it's just to continue to fulfill our role as the uh, leading governance expert on the game. We did a rules modernization program, which you saw roll out in 2019. We continue to fine-tune that as issues come up, but I think that's been, after a little bit of a, uh, a few challenges at the start, has now been warmly embraced as, yes, it's helpful to drop from your knee. Yes, it's helpful to be able to tap down spike marks. Uh, yes, it's been it's been helpful to do a host of other things, which we've tried to make the game more user friendly. So, those are my priorities: great championships, grow the game, continue to lead the way in governance, and lead the industry to a conclusion that works uh, on the distance insights study that we just announced on February fourth. So, really, not busy at all. I mean, just just kind of hanging out. Yeah, there, yeah. You, you might think golf is a peaceful sport, but there's a lot to do pedaling underneath the water. It's like a duck. There's a lot to do under the water to make everything look smooth. Yeah, and that's I, what we try to do. It's amazing. It's amazing how much is going on and how much is going on in the game of golf. And and you know, it it is kind of amazing how much of a of a kind of a a pivotal point we are at. I think in the game as well with all with all the different initiatives that are going on, the rules and. Uh, the findings in the study, uh, you know, it, it's it's an opportune time to maybe get things, you know, definitely going in a direction that's going to help to continue to grow the game with the efforts that have already been put in play, let's just say, over the past 10 years. Uh, I totally agree with that. You know, society is changing as well. 
you need to uh, be in a position, ideally, to have golf courses located as close as possible to the major metropolitan areas, uh, people's uh, time available for uh, recreation and for golf is uh, decreasing. There are a host of other activities which people are thinking about. So we're trying to modernize golf and have it fit today's lifestyle while still retaining the unique aspect of a, you know, 500-year-old sport that has been revered by its participants for that period of time, and, and we don't want to totally divert from that. But I think we're, we're progressing on each of those paths well, and we feel very constructive about it. Again, we're talking with the uh, newly elected 66th president of the USGA, Stu Francis. And Stu, w- with this report that came out and what you've already talked about, I, I, what kind of uh, time frame are we talking about? I mean, obviously, this isn't a quick fix. This is something that's going to take a lot of conversations, a lot of time. But, you know, as golf fans, we kind of want to see the horizon a little bit, and we want to understand the process and how long this might take. I mean, what's, what's your feeling as to how this is going to go and where we're going to get to, obviously, in controlling this distance issue that we, we all kind of know has been around for a while? Uh, it's a good question. There will be several checkpoints along the way. In late March, we will be formally clarifying to a greater degree our areas of interest a notice which goes to all the manufacturers, which basically puts them in a position to understand uh, what are the things we're thinking about so that they can begin their research and their exploration as to what could constructively be done. Secondly, we then have uh, indicated that sometime in the next, you know, nine months to a year after that, we'll begin to have a sense of what the industry thinks about in terms of possible solutions or possible courses of action. And then at that time, at that point in time, we'll uh, continue to roll forward uh, to see if we can get to the right kind of consensus to, to do something to, to make sure the game is healthy and sustainable for the long run. And so that's the time frame. So no solution will be you know, implemented in the short term, but there'll be checkpoints and progress points along the way that the industry will be able to be aware of, uh, provide their input, and we'll get to a point where our goal, you know, if you think about the study, the study was a study of what's happened with golf over the last century, and we're not going to change all that in one short year, but what we're trying to do is say, let's come up with a a reasonable approach that can uh, prevent the relentless creep of distance and put ourselves in a position where we have a sustainable game going forward. So that's, that's the time frame. And, and while all that's going on, you, y'all are still, obviously, because of all the championships that you run, there's always venues to be found. So you're always out there doing due diligence on new venues for you know, all of the different championships as well. Well, that's true. It's interesting. I don't think the general golf public realizes the extent to which the USGA has a significant task ahead of it each year. We have 14 sites for our Open and Amateur Championships, which we need to uh, 
review, identify, uh, negotiate a contract with, and then prepare for the actual championship. So if you think about it, each particular site we select probably had two or three or four other potential alternatives. And you have to go visit each of them, take a look at the golf course, take a look at the local hotel capabilities, the the ability of the town to support the crowd, and then make an ultimate decision. And then work closely with the golf course that you've selected over the year to two years beforehand to help put the golf course in a position where it can host a national or, you know, a global championship, a national championship of global players. So, the amount of work that goes into the selection and preparation of one site is pretty pretty significant. And then when you turn it into the selection of 14 sites each year, plus the Walker Cup or the Curtis Cup, plus the World Amateur Team Championship, plus selected other things, there's a substantial amount of work to do to execute on our plan to conduct great and flawless championships. So that's how we do it. <laughs> Well, Stu, uh, we always appreciate talking to people from the USJ, getting a little bit of insight, and we appreciate you taking some time out with us. Congratulations again on being uh, selected as the 66th uh, USGA president. Well, thank you very much. It is a true honor to, to serve the game. The game has meant so much to me personally, uh, as well as many people, and uh, the game deserves our full attention, and that's what we're providing it. All right. Well, thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Thanks. We'll see you.